Hey everyone, I'm back at the Ritz again. We're just going to go inside to meet the Deputy Chairman. Hello, I'm Emma from City AM. I'm here to meet the Deputy Chairman. Oh yes, welcome to the Ritz and welcome home. We are now the only hotel that insists on a jacket and tie in the dining room. This is City AM Unregulated, back at the Ritz. I'm Emma Hazlitt. And I'm Zach Meir. On this week's show, Andrew Love, Deputy Chairman of the Ritz. I'm sad that we're giving the assets of the United Kingdom away to overseas companies. And what you need to run a luxurious hotel. If you're running anything, you look up, you look down, you find a fault, you give the person a telling off, and then you ask them how their children are. And the falling price of afternoon tea. Overseas tourists would get more pounds for their euro or for their dollar, and therefore we might benefit from more tea people. Welcome to City AM Unregulated. Hello and welcome to this week's City AM Unregulated, where we've returned to the iconic London hotel, The Ritz. Having recently indulged in afternoon tea with the CEO of Aston Martin at The Ritz Hotel, and having been stunned by its opulence, we wanted to know what made the hotel run. So today in the Winborn Room we are with Andrew Love, the Deputy Chairman and face of The Ritz Hotel. So Andrew, you've had quite an interesting career journey to where you are today. You started off at Labrooks, or you were originally at Labrooks. How did you get to where you are now? I, I moved from here because historically Ladbrokes also owned Hilton Hotels, as you will probably well be aware. And I was in charge of the casino division and hotel aspects relative to the casino business for them worldwide. And subsequently, when they bought my business, I had to stay there for some four years under the contract. And then after the four years, I rather more enjoyed private companies than public companies. And so when the opportunity came for me to join the Ritz through the family, I was very happy to do so. It is, um, have hotels been in your blood? Is it something you've been sort of from a, as, a, as a boy, you thought, you know, I love hotels, I love the atmosphere. Was it, was it something like that or was it totally different? Well, almost anything has been in my blood. Mm-hmm. I started running dance halls in Scotland, which is very much a hospitality style business. Wow. And then I, I, I ventured forth into the motor trade. And then subsequently I worked for Lonro and was responsible for Lonro casinos and Metropolitan Hotels. So I've always been involved in the hospitality business. And I think the hospitality business is a, a business you either love and it, it, it really grabs hold of you. And once you're in it, it's like a drug. Isn't it deceptively difficult? I mean, it just you know, you walk into a hotel, you think everything is just, you know, ship shape and you know, everybody's charming and it, it doesn't actually, it runs itself, does it? Presumably it's not like that. Well, I don't think any business is like that. I always remember being taught many years, in 1972 it was, by a very kind Jewish gentleman that t- taught me almost as his son and he made me do every aspect of work in a kitchen, from the fish to the meat to the buying and to everything. And he used to say, now you can come into general management having learnt it all and you'll know whether t- someone's telling you the truth or not the truth. And he said, the greatest advice I can give you, if you're running anything, you look up, you look down, you find a fault, you give the person a telling off, and then you ask them how their children are. And you create the 
family moment for them. And however much they've been told off, they're happy again. So you, you kind of notably know everyone in the, the Ritz's name. How do you do that and why is that important? Well, it, it would not be fair to say that I know everybody's name because a lot of the staff come and go quite a lot because that's the nature of our business. But I do know a lot of the names of the staff and I always like to know as much about them as possible without invading their privacy. In other words, I like, if they have children, it's nice to say to them, and how's your son or how's your daughter? And how do you go about learning those names? It must be pretty challenging. Listening <laughs> and asking, and you don't always remember their names first of all, so you say, I'm terribly sorry, I've forgotten your name. I remember having a teacher who used to take photographs of everyone and label them, and then she would recite them to you in every class. Tell us about the first person you hired. Who was that? And Gosh, are you talking about here or somewhere else? Here. Well, I, did, I didn't actually hire anybody here. They were hired, first of all, when, they, uh, when I came to join them because the hotel is a living uh, entity. Each person that is in charge of an area has the responsibilities of hiring and firing through the Human Resources Department. But the first person I suppose that I was really associated with hiring would be with the previous general manager, Stephen Boxall, when we took on John Williams, our chef. Um, he had previously been at Claridge's, and fortuitously it was when Gordon Ramsay was there and ready to ha- perhaps move on. Talk, talk to me about the clients. I mean, you've, you've got some really notable clients. You're one of the few hotels in the world associated with the royal family. The only hotel in the world associated with the royal family? No, that would not be fair to say the Goring is probably the other hotel which, interestingly enough, is very much like us. It's British-owned and very proud to be British-owned. And it's a smaller hotel. It's got some uh, 67 rooms and we're 136 rooms. I just wanted to go on to, I mean, this Britishness is is very much at the heart of what the Ritz is. Um, There are plenty of other places in the world where you can go and spend lots of money and stay in in a flashy hotel. How do you maintain that Britishness, that sense of style and taste and and the uniqueness that uh, this place has? Well, I think, I think it all stems from the originality of the hotel in 1906 when Caesar Ritz built it, and it's never changed its style. And people come visit us and stay with us for that reason. And historically, um, the ratio of people staying here in terms of overseas or home have always been the majority of English. And it was founded on the basis that families from the north of England used to come down and stay. Their children then came, and their children's children now come and stay. And it's, it's part of one's, if you're fortunate enough, education in being able to learn how it is to live in a nice hotel. So it's, a, it's a, almost as, as important, not only for the, the Ritz to be like it is, but for the people who come here to appreciate what it offers and to have that, um, say, education or understanding or whatever the correct word is to, to, to enjoy your stay here. I would agree with that absolutely. And it's still one of the, the reasons that we have jackets and ties as a requirement in the dining room wherever you eat. The manner in which you appear yourself that is also important. And we are now the only hotel that insists on a jacket and tie in the dining room and in the Palm Court, where indeed you had tea, I believe, the other day. 
you've had a refresh of the rooms recently. How challenging is it for you to keep the balance between what the traditionalists and what the purists expect and introducing new things, new technologies, televisions, that kind of thing? Well, I, I give an answer to someone some time ago when I said that we've been, we're 110 years old and every year, hopefully, we have learned to improve. Um, we ha- we started with a minimal number of bathrooms, and we've added bathrooms now to every room. I'm sure, and the suite. clients are very happy and about that's, that. That's growing. Um, in terms of the internet and telef- telephonery, or whatever the expression is, we we are as modern as anybody. The only difference in terms of the structures of the rooms is that they're a traditionally big shape, as every grand hotel was when it was built. And unlike perhaps Four Seasons or the Barclay, where they're purpose-built hotels, the rooms tend, other than the suites, to be the same size, whether it's 44 square meters or whatever the, the, the size of the room is. So we, we are as modern as any other hotel. We're certainly not minimal, minimalistic. Um, we're traditional. Have you had any objections when you've tried to modernize, when you've introduced technologies? No, perhaps the biggest problem we have is that it's an old building and all the walls are very thick. So it's very complicated to ensure that broadband is as good in every room as in the main areas. The Ritz is associated with rich, famous people. Do you, is that, I mean, should that not, I mean, that can be daunting to some people that they wouldn't want to stay here because they think it's not for them. Well, some people perceive it as that, but you must also remember that we do 400 teas a day, and teas are for everyone. And the beauty of that is, whether it's my grandmother or your grandmother that is coming for a special treat or someone's child, it's a great party atmosphere where you put together people of every type of person whether it's overseas people, whether it's people that are rich or are poor. But the price of a room is not sort of, it's not put at a level where people, it would, it's not exceptionally higher than anywhere else. Let's it say. isn't exceptionally higher than anywhere else. We, we, we have a lot of um, families come, and from time to time, like anywhere else in the hotel business, Room rates vary according to how busy the time of year it is. I did actually stay here last year, but I didn't look at the bill. I asked the Very person I was with not to look at the bill. I didn't actually look at the bill. But because I didn't want, I didn't want it to spoil my, my stay. I don't to, think it would have spoiled your stay. So it was just to just enjoy the experience. You obviously have some of the most rich and powerful people in the world staying here. Margaret Thatcher died here. We recently heard you know, a big thing about Kim Kardashian in Paris. She was subject to a raid in a hotel. Have you guys stepped up security? Is there a need to step up security as a result of that? Well, we've always had security, and it is hopefully not too obvious, but the most important thing is you care for your guests, whether they happen to be coming, people coming in for tea or, or staying here. Yes, we do have famous people, and one of the things that we've always tried to do is be as discreet about the people staying because people value their privacy. Have you ever had any outrageous demands? Well, historically, we've had some... Extraordinary demands uh, in the sense that um, some years ago we had a person staying who, who demanded bath water from Brighton. And Michael Le Concierge went to Brighton, bought uh, salt water from Brighton. From Brighton Beach? Yes. Why Brighton? Well, 
Why, why not Las Vegas? I know not why, but it was Brighton. On the, on the British theme, um, the, the hotel was um, bought by the Barclay Brothers or a company owned by the Barclay Brothers in 1995. Yes. Um, they are quite enigmatic, uh, to say the least. What, what's it like working under their wing? Well, the truth of the matter is each of their businesses are run as individuals and the people in those businesses are tasked with running their business. And from time to time, they will ask you questions. But in the ordinary course of events, it's up, for you, up to you to deliver the product that you're in charge of. And I have found nothing other than a pleasure working for the firm. So you're running it as if it's your own? Yes, absolutely. And, it and, and you are, it is suggested that you do so. The Ritz is regarded as a kind of trophy asset in the same way that Harrods would be. A lot of those, those companies have been bought by foreign investors, you know, often Middle Eastern or Asian. Could the Ritz ever be a takeover target like that? Well, that's impossible to say because there's always a price that it becomes attractive at. But I have no reason to believe that the family would sell it, nor would wish to sell it. They're very proud to be British owners of a very British product. And how do you feel about those kind of investors coming into London? Do you think London's changed as a result? I think time will tell that more than necessarily the present because it's like anything else. The the manner in which people deal with things takes time to filter through. I, I, I'm sad that we're giving the assets of the United Kingdom away to overseas companies, but that's purely a personal uh, viewpoint. In the local area, I mean, St. James and Mayfair, when you joined the company... Uh, I worked out that the average property price was just over £318,000. Can you believe it? That's very clever of you. Oh, I wouldn't you. have been able to do that. Uh, now it's about £2.7 million. How do you feel about the kind of the rise in property prices and the, the change that's taken place in the area as a result? Well, if you're talking about me personally, I've been looking busily for t- two flats for my children. I can ill afford to buy a flat for them anywhere near London, which I regret wholly. (laughs) That is a a product of investors in this country, and that's beyond my capability to do anything about. I I regret it because I think it means that some areas become almost barren at weekends or for large periods of time during the course of a year when the the people that have bought the properties are never here. And what it does reduce is the opportunity for community spirit to take place in various areas in London. And so there is no life in the the weekends for the shops or or the community in general. And I think that's sad. And you're very active in the local community. You're president of the St. James's Association? I'm chairman of St. James Conservation Trust. And the trust is... The trust is uh, an effort to maintain the de- dignity and ethos of St. James. And we have the opportunity as trustees to view every planning application that is made in the area. And we comment on it to both the developers and to Westminster City Council as to whether we believe it's suitable um, for the area so that perhaps some currently listed buildings that are in St. James might not necessarily have been there some years ago or approved some years ago. I think there are very few areas left in London that still retain the royal dignity of the palaces around here. And there are some absolutely beautiful buildings. 
and it is, would be a shame if the, they were knocked down, destroyed. And one of the good things is most people are now having to make the facades remain, even if they develop behind those facades. There's the rampant property speculation that we've seen around these parts. Does that worry? I mean, it, it's got to be a concern. Well, if you look at the rampant property speculation, probably has been less in St. James than some of the other areas in London. And if you were to go down St. James, you would not find many buildings that aren't sympathetic to the existing buildings. I mean, St. James was known as the Royal Principality in the sense that all the clubs were there, St. James's Palace is there. Okay, Buckingham Palace is just a stone throw, stone throw away. But all the clubs in Pall Mall, all have been kept. Where the development is taking place is Lower Regent Street, St. James, where the Crown Estates are sympathetic to ensuring that it is built in a style that matches the area. Last time we were here, we were speaking to the chief executive of Aston Martin, and he he was talking about, you know, as a luxury brand, he's eager to move into other areas. He was discussing moving into property himself. He was discussing they've, they've launched a boat. Is that something the Ritz would do? Would it take its brand and, and put it to boats and property and things like that? Well, I've always believed that if you're a car manufacturer, you should manufacture cars. If you're a boat manufacturer, you should manufacture boats. If you're a hotelier, you stick to the trade you know. Um, I, I don't think the Ritz would launch into the product of bicycles or anything else. Slippers, um, dressing gowns. Well, we do have dressing gowns for customers, and they're rather smart as well. What has Brexit or the Brexit vote meant for the Ritz and what's it likely to mean in the long term? Well, I think um, it has meant nothing to the Ritz at the moment. I don't think Brexit has had any real effect other than the diminution of the value of the pound against foreign currencies. And what does that mean for your clients? It, well, for our clients, by and large, even the people that visit would probably, by and large, continue to be able to afford to come here. The, the interesting area that it would help is overseas tourists would get more pounds for their euro or for their dollar, and therefore we might benefit from um, more tea people, for example. Um, as to the future, I honestly believe it's far too early to make any predictions. I think there's a lot of scaremongering going on. I think everybody needs to settle down, worry about their businesses in the proper sense of the word, conduct their businesses. People have asked me historically my view about um, immigration in terms of the staff we use. Now, we have, we have 47 different nationalities in this hotel amongst 350 staff. And it's very important that we have that ability to have that, that, that mixture because if someone comes from Latvia, someone comes from Poland, they feel very comfortable when they come to stay if they have someone that can speak to them in their own language. And that's very appropriate. And so I personally don't see any problem about the introduction of people into the country if you have a need for someone in a specialist position. And there's been no suggestion that we won't or we will halt immigration through Brexit. Um, they're talking about the minimising it, not halting it. And so I, I, I think it's far too early, really, to make any judgment or judgment call on it.
One of the, one of the things you, one notices uh, staying here or staying or going to other hotels is the quality of the staff. I mean, I think their, their their attention to detail um, is 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 you know is noticeably better than other places I've, I've seen. Um, the use of English or being able to speak English properly, uh, being familiar with the British ways of doing things, isn't that a factor as well when you when you hire people? Yes, of course it is, and we have uh, uh, induction programs regularly. And indeed, we have uh, people able to teach English to those people that are not very adequate at speaking the language. It is important that the standards are adhered to, and whether it's in the dress sense or whether it's in the manner in which they speak to people. I mean, we, we, when, with, when the Chinese first arrived, we had uh, lessons in Chinese for almost everyone so that we could say ni hao or make sure that they didn't put white flowers in the room, which they hate. Cultural interests and hates are very important to us as far as customers are concerned. So there's partly a when in Rome, so that people who come here appreciate Britishness, but there's also it's a two-way process. Yes, it is. Of course, we, we have the British flags in the hall, as you've probably seen, and we're very proud to be British. But they... Also, it's also good to know if someone likes not feather pillows or they don't like lilies in the room. And we have a system where we record through communication all the likes and dislikes of a customer so that if they come back to stay, we know what they like and what they don't like. Just in case I come to stay, I don't like feather pillows, just so you know. I'll make sure they're not. Thank you kindly. How have the, the kinds of guests that come and stay changed over the past few years? Not just nationality-wise, but, you know, in their tastes. The world is changing. We have pretty much the same style of guests that we've always had. Um, Americans still come, and Americans are Americans. I suppose the biggest facet is the dress code that we face in this hotel, although everybody is made aware of it. And in fairness, most people actually like to dress up from time to time. It's just that you get used to dumbed-down Fridays or whatever it may be. So it's always a challenge, and it is a challenge, but you take a view as to whether you wish to remain as you are or not, and we choose to impose a dress code. I do want to ask you about business rates because we've, you know, business rates have been redrawn <coughs> in recent uh, months and it's looking like you guys are going to have a 30% hike in business rates. Is that unfair? Do you have a message to the government about I, that? I, I think that there's a lot of work going on at the moment. Between, I'm also a director of the Heart of London Bid, which is uh, 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 they look after the whole of the West End, uh, Piccadilly and Leicester Square and here. And we are, have and are making representations at the moment to uh, both the government and to the local council there is an enormous potential hike. Whether that p- potential hike reaches fulfilment is too early to say. But I, people are concerned, we're concerned, uh, because not only do the businesses have to pay the increased rates, also the owners. So in this particular case, we have a double whammy uh, in as much as its own freehold by the owners. What do you think the chances are of you having to pay that increase? Do you think it's fairly negotiable? A lot of people thought we would never leave the common market. The public voted against it. It it much depends upon the strength of the opposition 
and the attitude of the opposition, by opposition I don't mean political opposition, to the, to the government and the, the approach that they take. I don't think I can possibly answer that question. I doubt very many other people could answer that question, Emma. Do you think it'll hurt London? I think it will hurt a lot of people in London because there will be some people that can afford to pay it and there'll be some wonderful traditional shops or stores that will find it more difficult to pay. And I think it could change the character and area, certainly in St James, and that would be a shame. Do you think they're punishing businesses like the Ritz, which, you know, are kind of opulent, as we said, but are kind of signs of wealth? I'm not even sure the politicians have the... uh, brain power to determine whether they're punishing us particularly or not. I think that it's uh, a judgment made by members of uh, the government who have never had a job, and most politicians never have had a job, and therefore have never had to achieve enough profit to exist and continue in business. That's very punchy comments. Well, I believe it as well. We just wanted to end with one final question, and we wanted to talk about supercars because uh, about what supercars? Yes, cars. I've heard of them. They're fairly common now in the streets around St James's, and indeed around where I live in Notting Hill. Um, do you ever find it a bit of a, an irritation? Do you think the the residents who are railing against it are justified, or I absolutely believe they totally justify it, and I, on behalf of the St James's Conservation Trust actively report every time that they appear in Palmall and everywhere else to the police. We have um, been in touch with the people that organise it and if it continues there are certain legal actions that can be taken against individuals. Some of these people could be people who are staying at the Ritz. They may be, but uh, they are not entitled in my view to disturb all the people and residents by revving up the motor cars, burning rubber on the roads and making it dangerous for pedestrians. Absolutely. Well, Andrew Love, it's been a real pleasure having you. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you, you, Emma. Thank you, Sam. Good afternoon to you. With thanks to Andrew Love and the Ritz for hosting us, this has been City AM Unregulated. Head to cityam.com to get the podcast or subscribe with iTunes Audio Boom or use RSS on your favourite podcast player. City AM Unregulated is an Audio Boom production.